Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My seminary classmates and I had been preparing for a trip to Eastern Europe as part of a course called Alternative Context, where you traveled to another part of the world to learn about the church in another place and space. We'd been given a packing list, clothes for three weeks, including church clothes for several places where there was a strict dress code, toiletries, good walking shoes, a Bible and a notebook, outlet adapters, small gifts as tokens of appreciation for the homestays we would enjoy while we were there, and winter apparel, because we thought traveling to Hungary in January was a good idea. As you can imagine, I took the checklist to heart, and I made sure that I had everything that I needed packed safely in my bag. And we got to the airport, and we checked our bags, and we boarded our flight without incident, and when we landed in Prague, we made our way to baggage claim and waited for the bags. And one by one, everyone's bags came off the conveyor belt, everyone's except mine. And we waited for a few more cycles of the conveyor belt as my heart started to sink. And then we made that dreaded walk over to the airport's missing bag office to report that my bag had not, in fact, made it to its final destination. Five days and a lot of miscommunication and dashed hopes with KLM later, my bag finally made it to us. One day shy of when we shifted our trip from Prague to Budapest, where my bag surely would never have arrived. During those five days, I learned how vital it is to have what you need when you're traveling. For all the merits of packing light, there is something about having the essentials that ensures that your outlook is better and your capacity to handle stress as you travel is eased. Without those things that I had so diligently packed, I felt anxious about my ability to navigate a foreign space. But during those five days, I also learned the gift of community. A borrowed t-shirt from one friend, a pair of shoes that were too big but were better than the ballet flats that I had in snow, a trip to the pharmacy with my professor to find toothpaste and a toothbrush and to try to identify contact solution in a foreign bottle. Our host loaned me a coat since it had snowed and my heavy coat was packed in that lost suitcase, a calculation that seemed really wise for the flight and that I regretted tremendously in my predicament. I remained frustrated those five days that I didn't have what I'd packed what was needed for the trip. But the gift of shared resource sustained me as we learned how to travel together. The thing is, no matter where you're going or on what kind of trip, your hope and your goal is to pack what you need to survive along the way. And the same was true for Abram. 
Abram's situation was a lot more precarious than mine. We don't know a lot from the preceding chapter in Genesis, except that the family tree was outlined and it ended with Abram and Sarah, and they were aging and barren. The future that they saw depended upon someone to carry on the family line, and that situation appeared to be hopeless. But as Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann points out, barrenness is the arena of God's life-giving action. And into that barrenness, into that uncertainty, comes God, speaking a word of challenge and a word of promise, a word of summons and of assurance. And so begins a story of resurrection, where life comes out of death, where possibility comes out of impossibility, and where God's call invites our response. For Abram and Sarai, the call was to go. Go from your kindred and your country and your father's house to a land that I will show you. God's challenge was to go, go leave safety, security, comfort, and venture out into the unknown, placing your full trust in God. It required a big risk and a large heap of faith. And there's something so familiar about this call for us in an endemic time. The charge to go forth from our houses, our comforts, from whatever protections we have constructed feels scary after so many months of fear and disruption and for many isolation. The charge to go forth into the unknown feels unsettling when we have spent so long being afraid of that which we cannot see, this little bitty virus that threatens. To think that God would yet again call us forth is to place our trust in the God of resurrection, who brings life out of death, hope out of despair, and seasons of flourishing after so many months of merely surviving. For Abram as well, God's challenge comes with promise. God promised a future a future with children and land and blessing, not just for Abram, but for all the families of the earth, says Scripture. God was offering a way forward when it didn't appear that there could possibly be a way. But to enter into this scene of possibility required them to step forward in faith. They had to step beyond their comfort zones, trusting that God would, in fact, guide them as Emma did Amanda up to the table, that God would provide for them and sustain them along the way. And so Abram does what any of us would do when preparing for a trip, especially a trip to an unknown destination. He packed his bags. He gathered all the things that he thought he would need that were important to him. God's call to go didn't come with a packing list. So I have to assume that Abram assumed a kind of Boy Scout level of preparation for the uncertain and unknown journey before them. Truth be told, this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, and I have read this passage so many times, and this is the first time that I've noticed all the things that Abram brought along. He brought his wife, his nephew, Lot, but then it says he brought all the possessions they had gathered 
and a whole host of other people. Abram, it turns out, is the definition of an overpacker. This was not a go-it-alone venture to follow God in faith. This was a journey together, and one that they prepared for by gathering all of the resources they would need. He calculated up what was important and packed it up before they followed God's call to go. Ultimately, when we look at his list, Abram brought what was essential, people, possessions, and that promise. He ventured out from his comfort zone, but he did it with his people. He prepared by ensuring that he had all the resources he thought they would need, and all of it was undergirded by the promise of God to provide a future full of blessing. And so they set forth in pursuit of that promise, trusting that God was in fact preparing a place for them, even if they didn't know where yet. As they journeyed, they learned something essential about themselves, that they needed each other to survive and thrive on the road, just as I needed my traveling buddies when my own luggage was lost. There's a lot of territory covered in all of the places that Will so dutifully read in the Scripture this morning. And we don't get much note about the day-to-day, except that there had to be a lot of just ordinary travel days that were necessary. And I'm sure there were a lot of nights by the campfire where it was a blessing to be able to sit under those stars that God promised and to tell stories together to share in the journey, to buoy one another up when we were tired, to laugh at the missteps along the way, to map out their next course. They knew what we know in our gut, that we are not meant to journey alone. But beyond what they learned about themselves, they also learned something essential about God. The life of Abram's family is matched by the life of God himself. Yahweh understood, is understood not as a God who settles, but as a God who sojourns, who moves about, and God, it turns out, is always on the move. From Abram's call to our life today, the journey of faith requires that we are prepared to go forth in pursuit of God's promise. And so we're called like Abram to pack our bags to make sure that we have what's needed along the way to follow God. So just as Abram brought what was essential, people, possessions, and promise, this is a season in which we take stock of what we need to continue forward on the road paved by God's promise. Like Abram, we're a church that understands that has in its very tagline that we journey together. The past 18 months have solidified how much we need each other on the road, just as Abram needed his tribe. Whether we've learned it through the pain of one another's absence or the joy of one another's presence, the bedrock of church is not its building, but its people, you and me, who are committed to one another on this walk of faith. It's the promise we make to every child, including the 10 who have been baptized at that very font in just these past few months, that we will journey with one another as we grow. 
through all the questions and doubts, through the terrible twos and the teenage years, and those baptismal vows do not end when we come of age. In fact, they become all the more important as our influence grows in the world. Church is nothing without the people committed to grow and serve and be together. But alongside the commitment we make to one another, our journey also requires a commitment of resource. The call to step forward in faith is a recognition that we don't go without preparation. The session and I have taken stock of our many blessings over these past few months, as well as the hopes that we have for where we think God is calling us next. To journey together in the coming year requires resource, financial gifts in particular. For us in this time and place, packing our bags means building a budget that faithfully stewards our resources on that road that God is paving. It means having the resource to support a staff that can act as Sherpas up the mountain and around the next curve. It means supporting a building that can provide space for us to journey deeper together in faith through worship and study and fellowship across the generations. It means gathering the right technology and staff to expand how we can reach others online through new digital ministries. It means adding lighting so that what we live stream is visible to those who want to journey with us near and far and you don't have to look at the lectern in the shadows. It means giving more tangibly and of ourselves to our mission partners and a world that's groaning in redemption. It means taking risks to understand how our place and our race and our privilege might be calling us to new kinds of ministries of advocacy and mission. All of that requires a step forward in faith. As our dedicated treasurer, Bill Humphreys, will remind anyone who asks, 96% of our budget is built upon the gifts of the membership, of you and me. And while we're doing things to save and slowly build an endowment, the journey forth depends on what we can do to pack our bags and carry together what we need so that we're ready for the road ahead. Abram set forth on a journey into the unknown with people, possessions, and God's promise. And like Abram, we're called to journey forth together with one another, with the gifts of our pledges as resources for the road, with the promise of God that through our faithfulness, all the families of the world might be blessed. On that same trip to Hungary where I lost my bags, I found not only the gift of community, but that promise of God. During our stay in Budapest, my classmates and I had the chance to have dinner with an elder in the Hungarian Reformed Church. Mrs. Pastor was going on 80, white-haired and slow-moving, but with a fiery spirit and a huge heart and a depth of wisdom. She graciously welcomed all eight of us into her tiny apartment filled with books and artwork from her years as an African missionary. And over dinner, she shared stories of what ministry was like behind the Iron Curtain. She described a time when the government tightly rationed their food, leading them to worry about their next meal. 
She recounted the time when communist officials arrived at her family's home and announced that the church manse was too much space for one family, and that night a peasant family would be moving into their front room. The government monitored her husband's sermons, and any dissent was met with violence. Communist military were known to point tanks at their homes, and ministry was precarious and perilous and risky. And there were times, Mrs. Pastor said, when like Abram, she would ask of God, where is this blessing and promise you spoke of? She said the future was always a bit difficult to see. But then her face lit up as she started telling us about a story from a night in the 1960s when she and her husband led a youth group event disguised as a camping trip in the woods so that the communists wouldn't find out. She got this grin on her face telling this story and she said, you always have to be a little clever to follow God. And when they had set up camp that night, her husband, the pastor, gathered the kids around the campfire, and as the fire crackled, he read scripture by the glow of its light. And he preached about God's promise made known from Abraham through Jesus to their very lives. And then they celebrated communion together, passing a meager rationing of bread and savoring juice that was hard to come by. And then she said, we all laid back and we looked up at the stars, those same stars that Abram had seen, trusting in the promise of God, the promise of a future. And she looked at each of us square in the eyes and she said, God is with us in our lives. And because of that, we can trust in the future. People, possessions, and God's promise. They had packed all that they needed to be sustained on the journey with God. Will we? Amen.